morning. How's everybody doing? Sam asked me, are you sure you want to be on the worship team and preach in the same week? I said, well, I'm not sure about that actually, but being as how what I was speaking on, the message that the Lord gave me this week was so relevant to what I do up here, I said, I can't not do it. I need to. I need to. Um, for me and to be able to share what I'm going to share. So um, it's a blessing to be here with you guys, to sing with you guys, to be able to share what God's been putting on my heart. And um, would you pray with me? Lord, this is the time that you have ordained for us to come together, to be here as one family, the church, with Christ as the head. Lord, you are so great that you call us together knowing how different we are because you have made us that way. And yet with the same longing for something that is so great. And it is a blessing, Lord, to be able to be in your presence. And God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would be moving in our hearts, would bring power in our lives through the word to change us, to transform us, to help us not be the same. God, I pray that you would protect me from pride. Lord, I pray that I would just be an instrument this morning. Help me to be able to get out of the way so that we can see you all the more. Because it's not fancy words that change anything. It's being in your presence. And that's what we want. That's what I desire, Lord, to be here today. And I pray that the same would be true of everyone here. And Lord, I pray that if this is the first time someone is hearing this beautiful message of the gospel, I pray it would be a new beginning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anyone do Facebook anymore? A few people? <clears throat> I've been told by my students at school that Facebook is an old person thing. No offense, please, to anyone who is, still does Facebook, but I do Facebook, so I guess that puts me in that category. Um, but I don't really much get on very often. I just kind of get on to see how everybody's doing. Um, the other day, <clears throat> I had seen uh, a post from someone that I had grown up with and just, uh, you know, was such a friend to me. Someone who grew up in the church, loved the Lord, did so many things together. And um, as I read the post, um, all I could hear was hurt in their voice. Hurt because of um, where they were at with the church in particular. 
And um, I haven't seen this person in a while. Still asking God to work on my heart as to the best way to reach out to them. But it really got me thinking about the fact that there are a lot of people that grow up in the church and then end up leaving for whatever reason. I think we probably all know that. I think probably the statistics would say the same thing. Um, but I, all I could think of as I was hearing hurt from people and pain because this person had done this and this person wasn't representing Christ and this person was this, all I could hear was judgment being cast on the people and we had forgotten that we're together to gather here for the glory of Christ, to focus on him, not on us. This beautiful thing that we have is a side effect of focusing on him, but he's the focus. And that was lost, and that got me thinking, man, this hurts. This hurts because I love this brother very much. And it got me doing some digging, digging in the word, a lot of prayer, a lot of thinking. Spent some time, uh, as I was focusing on a, on a certain passage, spent some time listening to a couple of other pastors speak on the same thing. I was very encouraged by um, uh, one of my favorite people to listen to, John Piper, was speaking on a series of what happens when we don't desire God. And it was a huge series. I highly recommend it. It was great. But um, just love the truth that was coming through from it. But I was very challenged this week in my own faith. That's why I'm sharing this with you, because as I was getting ready to speak, I was very challenged in the message that God had brought. And the passage that he brought me to is this, and if we can put it up on the screen, that would be great. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open to it, but it's right there. Uh, it's just one verse. Yes, I'm speaking on only one verse. <laughs> um, but it reads this way. It's Matthew 13, 44. It's the parable of the hidden treasure. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Now, I, as I started looking at the parables, I did a little bit of studying to figure out a little bit more on what an actual parable is. I, I thought I had a good grasp on it, but, you know, you can always learn more. And I found out that there's 39 parables, different parables in the Gospels, eight alone in this chapter, Matthew 13. That's a lot. <clears throat> A parable being a short story that's taught to give us an important truth about something, an important lesson. One thing that Jesus did amazingly was when he spoke these parables, he related them to what was going on during the time. These were always relatable to the people who were listening to it. But even in as much as they were relatable, not everyone understood the full meaning of them. In Mark chapter 4, verses 33 and 34, it reads this. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, the people that he was speaking to. As much as they could understand, he did not say anything to them 
without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Everyone received the parable, but his disciples were given a deeper understanding, a meaning, a truth. It's that truth that we're looking for. And there's one key phrase as I started to read several of the parables that Jesus spoke, and that is that many of them begin with the kingdom of heaven is like. And I think in this case, the kingdom of heaven is synonymous with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ. When we think of a kingdom, it's typically a place, right? The kingdom of such and such is that area. But in this case, the truth that Jesus is giving to us is about his reign. God's reign, the kingdom of heaven, heaven coming to us, is also about his reign in us, Christ's reign in our own lives. And that's what he's alluding to in this passage. What is the kingdom of heaven like? And he gives us this. As I was looking at the parable I figured that I I started to overanalyze some words, and I don't think that that's necessarily the intention that God has given to us here. But I think what would really give us some value in this case is to find out what is the truth that Jesus is giving to us in this parable. So let's dive in for just a moment. I know it's just a verse, but I think there's a lot there. So there's a treasure in a field. What is a treasure? Something that we value? This can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What's something that you value? Think for just a moment. What's something that's very important to you? Family? Friends? Car? Phone? Money? Job? What do you give a lot of value to? To someone like an athlete, this could be a title, right? World's fastest man. Could be a national championship. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, so we don't see those very often. To someone who's a collector of things, maybe like cards, sports cards, I had no idea, but certain sports cards can actually be worth a lot of money. Some of my research, I found out uh, there was a card, Onus Wagner, baseball player. Wasn't even really, any, does anyone know who that is? Okay, <laughs> we got a couple fans here. I didn't know who this was, but apparently he has a card that traded for $6.6 million. Imagine being the person that finds that card. What about a car dealer? Maybe your car. I know a lot of people invest a lot of time into their car, right? So what's the most expensive car out there? Any guesses? Well, Tesla, good guess. It's a Rolls Royce, and there's only one of this kind. 
I guess that's why it's so expensive. Rolls-Royce, boat tail, $28 million if they were to sell it. It's not within my budget, so I don't look at it. About a painter, artwork. Maybe you enjoy art, collecting art. First painting that came to my mind was the Mona Lisa. I thought that's got to be worth the most, right? But I found out that actually the most expensive painting that was ever sold, sold for $450 million. And it was another Da Vinci. Ironically, it's called Salvatore Mundi. And it's a picture of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I brought my, uh, we'll call it a treasure chest today. What do I treasure? Now, there are some things in here that um, aren't necessarily the treasure themselves, but represent some treasure. Can I share this with you guys? I feel like I'm in a safe space. Is that okay? Can I do that? Okay. All right. Sure, we'll start with this one. This, this one's pretty obvious. Okay. Music. You probably all know this, but I enjoy music very much so. Play music, listen to music, talk music, anything music, teach music. Xbox controller. I do enjoy playing Xbox, but now there's a little bit more to this one because this is actually a lot of time that I spend with my wife and some friends. We love to get on, online and play some games together. And I just love spending that time. It's kind of our quiet, relaxed time. So we do that. Treasure that time. Well, this one's probably a surprise to you guys. I know. You're probably thinking he's more of a Lego guy. But the truth is, it's not actually about the Barbie. I promise. Um... This actually represents the time that I spend with my girls. And I can't put a value to that. It's such a blessing. Whether it's dolls, we do some strategy games sometimes, whatever it's going to be, that's why summers are some of my favorite times. I get to spend a little extra time with them. So, and if need be, I suppose I can play with Barbies for a little bit. Oh, there it is. Ruler. Not because I love math, not because I love measuring, but because I enjoy teaching. I'm someone who very much enjoys my job. Enjoying the opportunity to teach, to give back is something that's very important to me, and it's been a blessing. And then there was one other thing that I was going to put in there, but I didn't have a person-sized bag, so I could not put my wife in the bag, and I felt like Asking her to wear a bag over her head would give the wrong message if she were coming to church. So this will have to do for now. But such a treasure to me that I value our relationship. And see, the Bible teaches us this treasure is much more than just monetary value. I may not have a $28 million Rolls Royce. I may not have the most expensive painting in the world. But I do have treasure. It just looks different. In Luke 12, and then in Matthew 6, 21, it says, For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. 
Whatever you give value to, that's your treasure. So I want you to think about your treasure right now. What do you give value to? Because that's where your heart is. What do you desire above everything else? What consumes your thoughts? Where do you spend most of your time? What's your treasure? And again, in this case, I have to go back just as an example to my wife. When we met, um, the only thing that I wanted to do was spend time with her. The only thing. To my own fault, I kind of forgot about everything else. I would go to school so that I could be done with it so I could go and see her. I would get up in the morning thinking, I wonder how I can see her today. I wonder what she's doing today. Very much consume my time, my thoughts. And we've been inseparable ever since. Value, treasure of greatest worth. But there's more to it than just that. So the truth is that the thing that we treasure the most is whatever brings us the most joy. And joy is the key word. Whatever tends to bring us the greatest amount of happiness in life is usually what we give most of our time to. If we find value in an item, then it is undoubtedly something that we enjoy. And you may be thinking, well, hang on, I don't know if that's true because I spend a lot of time doing this, but I don't really enjoy it. Well, just take a moment and think about why you spend a lot of time doing that. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe it's because there's a hidden treasure there. What type of treasure does the word of God call us to seek? If you have your Bibles and you want to open to Matthew 6, verses 20 to 21, it reads this. So what kind of treasure is it that we're called to seek? We're, we're told not to store up treasures on earth where they can be destroyed. But where does it say to store our treasures? In heaven. Why? Because nothing can destroy them there. So it's not about earthly treasures. It's about something that isn't going to fade. This hints to an eternal treasure. Something everlasting. Something that no one can take away from you. And it has an infinite worth. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So we have this treasure, it's out in the field, but it's hidden. It's not easy to find. I don't know of anyone who would decide to take their treasure and just set it in the middle of a field. They're going to hide it, they're going to bury it. Why? Because they don't want someone to take it because it's precious to them. It requires a lot of searching and a lot of effort. You don't typically just walk into a field and say, oh, there's the treasure. It takes some time to find it. It's not really like if you're walking down the beach, you know, you're looking for seashells, they're just sitting right on top. 
I think of a hidden treasure more of, you know, those people who are kind of walking down the beach with the metal detectors? They're out there for hours. And sometimes all they get is junk, right? But every once in a while, they find some treasure, something of value. For someone to go through all this effort in searching for this treasure, there must be something worth it. There must be something so great that it's worth searching for. In Colossians 2, Paul writes this, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Oh, now we're getting to some good riches. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The word of God tells us Christ is the treasure that we are ultimately seeking. He has all the riches, wisdom, knowledge, anything that we could ever desire is in Christ. So think about this for just a moment. If you consider yourself a happy person, a joyful person, I'm sure there are times that you go through where you are not happy whether it's a difficult situation, or maybe there is a need and you feel very much in want. But see, the difference between us and God is that he doesn't have those needs. He doesn't need anything. He's the happiest being out there. He is the most joyful being in the universe. What does he need? He doesn't need anything from us. He has what we would consider to be infinite worth and value. And there's not an end to it because there's, there's no end to God. He goes on and on and on. Think about this treasure. Everything that you can think that brings happiness ultimately came from him. He created all things. So think about something you enjoy. Think about where that treasure came from. Where did it start? Who's the author of it? Who designed you in a way that you would enjoy that treasure? Who else but God? And what does this mean for us? So how do we experience that joy of God? Because God is the invisible God, right? I mean, it's not like, it's not like walking up to someone and giving them a hug. How do we enjoy this? The invisible God. When Colossians chapter 1 Verses 15 through 20, it says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
is verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Here's the hidden treasure. Here's what we've been looking for. Here's what you should be looking for. Christ, who he is, and what he's done on the cross. We sing about it. We hear about it. Do you live it? If I looked at your life, if I look at my own life, this is why it was so difficult this week. If I look at my life, if I look at your life, is it easy to tell where our treasure is? I got a call from Dennis Rudell yesterday. My dear brother, just out of the blue. I have no trouble, none, telling where his joy is. None. Where his treasure is. Because... He asked how I was doing, and then we spent the rest of the time talking about the Lord. And we laughed, tears, just joy. I know where it is. Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate that. It was a great encouragement to me. This is treasure. Christ is the treasure of infinite value. All the fullness dwells in him, the most joyous being ever, God, it's all in Christ. Colossians 2, 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. It's Christ. Who Christ is and what he has done through his work on the cross is the greatest treasure we will ever have. I'm gonna say that one more time. But I want you to amen it if you believe it. So you don't have to. But I want you to hear it. I believe who Christ is and what he's done through his work on the cross is the greatest treasure we will ever have. That's what I believe. The greatest joy I can ever receive. That's our treasure that's hidden. But then the parable takes a little bit of a different turn. says the man hides the treasure again then in his joy he goes out and he sells everything that he has to buy this field and when I was first reading this um, passage with my daughters a while back one of my daughters asked me daddy why didn't he just take the treasure when he found it and I thought for about 10 seconds and then I came back with the best answer that I had I have no idea I don't know, but I'll do some digging and we'll figure it out. And as I was digging and I looked a little closer, I saw that not only did he leave the treasure there, but he hides it again. There's almost like a holy jealousy. This is gonna be mine. This is gonna be mine. I want it to be mine. 
I don't want anyone else to steal this from me. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to steal and destroy. Is there anyone out there that might be trying to steal your joy this morning? Take your treasure away? I don't want him to steal mine. So the treasure is hidden once again. Or perhaps, just maybe, there's a realization from the man that he has found the treasure, but he hasn't attained it yet. It's not fully his yet. He wants to make this treasure his own. I suppose the simple answer I could have given my daughter was, well, that would be stealing, right? When you take it and it's not yours. So in this case, he moves to make it all his own. And then there's the last step. It says, in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has to buy the field. Question for you. As Christians, are we called to sacrifice things in our life? You can answer that one. It's okay. Are we called to suffer for the sake of Christ? There's a sacrifice that has to be made in order to get this treasure. This man goes and he sells everything that he has, everything, in order to purchase the field in hopes that this treasure is of infinite worth. It's of greater value than everything else that he has. The Christian life is a life of sacrifice. Jesus sets the ultimate example for us. Where? On the cross. He didn't have to do that. But he did do that. Matthew 6, 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 1 Peter 2, 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Sounds like sacrifice and suffering to me. Luke 9, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of heaven. And Luke 14, 25 through 27, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. But maybe the best example of this is found in another parable. The rich young ruler. Luke chapter 18, verse 18, it says this. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, all these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you lack one thing still. One thing. Sounds like he was close. Sell everything you have 
and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now how does this parable end? Does it end with the man joyfully gave up everything and comes and he follows Christ? That's not how this ends. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a very wealthy man. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This man found the treasure. He was so close. But I don't think he was willing to make it his own. This man didn't value the eternal treasure of knowing Christ more than his earthly treasures that he had. See, this is why the prosperity gospel doesn't work. Come to Christ, and then you're going to have everything. You're just going to be happy and joyful, because if you come to Christ, you're going to have everything. That's not why I'm sharing with you. I'm here sharing with you because I want you to understand that if all you had was Christ, that'd be enough. You don't need everything else. As a matter of fact, I believe that your treasure is rich because you don't have that stuff. And you just have him. We need to come to the realization that Christ isn't just the source of our greatest joy. He himself is our greatest joy. Being with him, knowing him, having him. And I don't want to skip over the most, what I think is probably one of the biggest keys in this parable is that this man, in his joy, sold everything. You know how many times I read this parable and missed the word joy? All I saw was sacrifice. All I saw was give it all up for Christ. And I missed that this man did it in his joy. How do you do that? How do you give up things that are so valuable to you? And how do you do it joyfully? And the only way that I can think to do that, as I've seen looking at scripture, the only way that I feel like you can do that is by finding something that is more valuable. And then nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Why would it? When you can have that, why would you want anything else? He knew he had found something so great, something that would bring him so much joy, that he joyfully gave up everything else to have this treasure. Paul says, I count it all rubbish. It's all trash compared to knowing Christ. His ultimate joy. I think probably one of the scariest things today for us is that we have people who are willing to follow Christ, but they're not willing to give up everything else for it. That's scary to me. That is something that causes me to lose sleep. Because if you say, I want Christ and I want this, I don't know if you really just want him. And I want you to think about that because that's not what the gospel is saying. It is Christ and he is everything. Have you really found the treasure? Are you willing to give up everything for it? You know, you may not be called 
in every circumstance in everyone's life to give up everything at that moment, at that time. But the question is, are you willing? Do you treasure him that much? It's a wake, it was a wake-up call for me. Is it a wake-up call for you? Only you can answer that. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? If you've received Christ, then seek him with all your heart. This is not easy to do. It's a fight. Sometimes it's a fight for this joy. But it's worth the fight. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. And I'm going to close with this. Hebrews 11:6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Earnestly. If you think that it's easy to walk the walk of faith with Christ, I'm kind of wondering which book you're reading or what you've been experiencing in your life. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, the beauty of the gospel is this. Because I can think in my mind of all of the things that I want. You know, when, when my girls ask me, what's heaven going to be like, Daddy? Is it going to be like endless Chipotle and cheeseburgers and whatever we want to ride around in and we, the nicest house and that? But that's not it. Because that's so us, right? That's so ourselves as to what heaven's going to be like. The cool thing is, as we get to know Christ more, he changes the desires of our heart to be more inclined to him. So we want less of everything else and just more of him. And that's a beautiful thing. That's the gospel. That's transformation. This joy, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit as we get to know him more and more, is of infinite worth. And you need to fight for it. You need to fight for it. I really struggled this week, you guys. I really had a hard time this week. I was talking with Pastor Jesse before and I told him, I don't know how you do it because the attacks of the enemy that just come at you, it's ridiculous. We need to be praying for him every single day. And we need to be praying for each other every single day because we are in this battle, you guys. The joy may not come easy and you may have to search for this treasure again and again and again. But he's worth it. He's worth it. Have you found it? Are you willing to delight in him and him alone? Are you willing to say, he's all that I need? Are you ready to fight for that? Because that joy is readily available to you. Will you say, this is my treasure of infinite worth? I don't want anything else. I just want you.